message is coming in two parts, which means we both have to be twice as short. And uh, we're going to start with Pastor Josh just kicking off this sermon series on vision. Vision is a compelling picture of the future. And we're going to be talking about what God has done in the past, what God's doing now, but where, more importantly, God wants us to go in the future. And uh, our lead pastor, uh, Pastor Josh, is going to share a little bit about that with us. Temporary. So many things in life are temporary. Trends come and go. Fads are here today and gone tomorrow. For example, I can hardly keep up with the terminology and phrases my kids and their friends use. About the moment I begin to catch on and use the word, it's no longer trendy or popular. And to avoid embarrassing my children and the rest of our young people, I won't give any examples today. But the truth is we're used to things that come and go. Words, expressions, Celebrities, politicians, and businesses rise in popularity for a time, then fade away. And while we're sad to see some of these things and people go, we rejoice that others have gone away. And while it's a hard truth to acknowledge, churches come and go too. Once they were full and thriving, now their buildings are dark, dusty, and empty. It is a sad but all too true reality, and throughout its existence, Bridgewater Church has gone through its own highs and lows, at times thriving and at other times on the brink of collapse. But God has seen fit to use this church for over 200 years. What began in 1808 continues today. There's still an anticipation of what God is going to do among us. We still assume God is already at work in the lives of the people who attend our services. And while we do not know what's in store for our church or what the future holds, we do know what we ought to be doing. That's because the instructions Jesus left for his followers have not expired. They still apply today. I believe Bridgewater is a place where people believe that. And that is why God is still allowing us to play a part in changing people's lives. You see, for followers of Jesus, the commands of Jesus don't come and go with the passing of time. And neither should our obedience to them. Jesus said, he would build his church, and we believe time hasn't dampened his zeal for his church. And we are so grateful for how God is using Bridgewater Church. We continue to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This has been happening because followers of Jesus have been obeying his commands. What I mean is that you, the people of Bridgewater Church, caught the vision of what could happen if you truly believed and obeyed Jesus' commands, that you could reach your friends co-workers, neighbors, and schools with the good news of Jesus Christ. You haven't relied on the pastors or church staff to do it. We have certainly tried to do our part, but that alone doesn't change a community. It takes more than the people on stage or on a staff. It takes everyone who is a part of this church to believe that the same work God did in their lives, he wants to do in the lives of the people they know, and that he wants to use them to bring it about. I believe that's why we've been able to celebrate 44 people accepting Jesus as their Savior and 42 going public with their faith through baptism so far in 2022. But I want to urge you to stick with it. We each need to personally commit to do our part and not allow the mission Jesus gave us to take a role of lessening importance in our lives. If we're going to remain committed to what Jesus gave us to do, we must remember why we exist as followers of Jesus and as a church. 
So I want to take you to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, to see what our purpose, our, our why is. As Jesus not only reveals why his followers should be making disciples of Jesus, but also tells them how to go about it. Luke chapter 10, verses 1, 2, and 3. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. In this passage, Jesus is sending out a group of his followers, 72 in all. He commissioned them to go to all the places he was about to go. He wanted them to engage with people and prepare them to meet Jesus. They were to go do the work of telling people about Jesus, and Jesus would do his part and complete the work they began. But in all that's happening in this passage, this truth is perfectly clear, and this is our purpose. This is our why. God wants to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't send people out for no reason. He was going to change people's lives. He had come to seek and save the lost. He had brought salvation to the world, and he was going to use people to deliver it. Jesus gave his followers instructions, and they followed them. In faith, they believed, and as a result, obeyed. This is how the message of Jesus has spread from generation to generation. Followers of Jesus have, for years, been doing what Jesus told his followers to do. So, if we do what they did, the work will continue. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's because somebody did what the people did who were there to hear Jesus give these instructions. And this begs some questions. What did they do? What do we need to do? What is our role in his mission? What are we to do? First, we pray for more workers. We see this in verse 2 where he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We are to pray that people would rise up and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to pray that God would ignite a passion in his people to make more and better disciples, that is, followers of Jesus. Instead of praying for an easier job, Jesus says they are to pray for more workers to join them. And we today need to pray that same prayer. Notice that it's the workers, not spectators, who pray for more workers. I'm afraid too many of us are praying for somebody else to do a job we are unwilling to do ourselves. So God determines the ends, but he also determines the means. He will send out workers to tell people about Jesus, but he will do it in response to the prayers of those workers. Would you commit to pray that God would send out more workers to make Jesus known? So because God wants to change people's lives, we are to pray for more workers. But that's not all. We also see, and this is the second part of our role in Jesus' mission, we do the work. Verse 3 says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. They were to go tell people about Jesus. So if we do what Jesus told them to do, then we will go and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been sent. Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21, when he says that we're ambassadors for Jesus, representing him to the world. 
So Jesus tells these followers to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Then he sends those very workers out. What this means is that we are the workers and we are the answer to our own prayers. But what is this going to mean for you and me? Think about it with me. At some time and in some way, someone inconvenienced themselves in order to help introduce you to Jesus. And and have even made it a priority to help you grow in your relationship with him. They may have given their time, money, their day off, their comfort, convenience, plans, or, or laid down their preferences in order to help bring you to Jesus. In some cases, they sacrificed all those things. And for what? For this, to watch God change your life. They believed time had not expired on what Jesus commanded them to do. They believed that they should do the same thing these followers did. They believed they had a role to play in God changing your life. And we're so grateful. That's what God is still doing at Bridgewater. He's changing lives and he's using you to do it. The evidence of what God has done in, through, and among us is all over the place. We are so grateful for all God has done, but we are begging him not to stop. And how has all this happened? How did, how did we get there? Why has Bridgewater not closed and faded into memory? What happened was when there was work to be done, ministries to serve in, and people to engage, you didn't look around for who God would use. You looked in the mirror. You stepped up. You sacrificed. You answered the call. You understood that the advancement of the gospel of Jesus multiplies through the sacrifices and efforts of God's people energized by the power and presence of God among his people. So many of you have done your part, and we are urging you to keep it up. The work is not finished. Jesus' command to tell people about him is not temporary for us. God is still changing lives, and we want to be involved in that. But what that will mean is we will always stay one or two steps ahead of comfort. Our faith that God is still changing lives means we've got to obey Jesus' command to tell people about him. And as we watch him change lives, our faith grows. And this prepares us for greater and more costly levels of obedience. You see, great faith always results in great obedience. And I wonder what God wants to do next through the people of great faith and obedience who make up Bridgewater Church. It's fun to dream about it, but we will obey and we will do our part and let God determine what he does through us. So let me urge you once again to pray for more workers and, and to do the work. Why? Why would we do that? Because God wants to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. His zeal has not faded and his commands have not expired. Let's together resolve to obey so that we can continue being a part of God changing people's lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I just want to just reinforce everything that he just said and uh, do it in, I have 13 minutes. So he did it in 10. So, you know, it's a competition. Um, so you talk about the gospel. This is the gospel. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, God, raise him from the dead, you will be saved. There are three barriers to the gospel with people. Some of it is the believe part, like 
that God would save me. Some people are too arrogant to let Jesus save them. They're like, you know what? Nobody's ever given me anything. I pay my own way. I will fix my own sin problem and, and I will work it off no matter how long it takes. And the Bible is clear. That'll take an eternity in hell. Other people, they, they don't want Jesus as their savior because they can't believe it's, it's true. Like it's too good to be true. Like that Jesus would love me. They're hopeless. They're without hope. And they're like, no, there's no way he would have died for me if you know what I had done. If I... and, and so they don't ask him and accept that gift because they think they're too far gone. And the Bible is clear. Nobody is too far gone. But then the third barrier that people have to accepting the gospel, to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, is this Jesus is Lord thing. We have billions of people running around the earth today that are their own Lord and their own God. And I want to do life my way. And almost every problem in the world today is a result of that. Why is there a war in Ukraine? Because there's one guy and probably a whole bunch of guys that have decided, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to love God and love other people. I, I want what I want. Why is there violence across America and, and mass shootings and things? Why? Because people who don't want to follow Jesus can do a lot of damage. Why, why is there suicide and drug overdoses in our county and in our town here? Because some people, they're, they're without hope, but they're not following Jesus. And so our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples. That's more and better people following Jesus. And that starts with a one-time decision here. This is what these carnations represent. The light bright on the way out. Every white light indicates someone this year who has made this decision to say, not just magic words, Jesus is Lord but to literally surrender to God and say, I'm going to get out of the Lord business and I'm going to follow the God of the Bible. Most people follow a God that's made in their own image. He happens to like what they like and believe what they believe and think like they think and he looks a lot like, man, your God looks a lot like you. And that, that is not the God of the Bible and, and that is not Jesus Christ. And so this, this is the gospel. This is the mission that we're on. And I just want to tell you a couple stories uh, from the past, present, and then uh, just to what, what does that look like? So the, our church started in 1808, as uh, Pastor Josh mentioned. The first 30 years of our church, Pastor Davis Dimmick and others from the church helped start nine other churches in our county in the first 30 years. And also in that time period, they started an abolitionist society against slavery. One of the pastors, he was an interim pastor at Bridgewater Church, and he was an elder in the church. His name was Albert Post. You can go see his house at the end of Cherry Street. It's kind of an odd-looking house with a little tower in the middle. And, but in, in that home, he had a secret room next to, on the other side of the chimney uh, of the fire so that it could be heated as well from that side. And he hid slaves on the Underground Railroad in there. And if you would have asked Elder Albert Post, why are you doing this? Why are you risking imprisonment and fines? Why are you breaking the law? He would have said to you, yeah, I'm breaking the law. Yeah, I'm doing something that really is un-American because America is against this, harboring slaves and helping them escape into Canada to their freedom. He says, yeah, I'm doing what's illegal because I don't, I, I, I'm not an American first. I'm a Christian and I follow this even when my country tells me not to. And you know what? There's coming a day, and it's here already, where we need to do the same thing. 
and, and, and follow Jesus no matter where that takes us, even if it means people think you're an awful person and you're a rebel and you're wrong and you're bad and you're evil and you're a lawbreaker. But he wanted to follow Jesus Christ and we need to too. Fast forward quite a bit to 2006. I, I, I came as a pastor in 2005. Less than six months after I was here, we started a contemporary service at 8 o'clock. The reason we chose 8 o'clock is because it meant nothing changed for people who didn't want anything to change. So Sunday school was still in the auditorium at 9.30, and then our organ and piano service was still at 11 o'clock like it had always been, and the church kind of split in half. Half of the people stayed for the traditional service, so we had about 180 people coming, so 90 of them were at the traditional service, and 190 came to the contemporary service. <laughs> You know, 180 people split into 90 and 190. But at the end of that service, it was the Sunday before Palm Sunday. It was the first time, first time we tried it. It was just an experiment. We said, let's try this for a year, see if it works. If it fails, we'll just do something else. But a lot of you know Dick and Sally Roberts. Sally's with the Lord now. But they came up to me, and Sally was the spokeswoman. Came up to me after the service. And if you know Sally, she was very sweet. She was very clear. <laughs> And she said to me, she said, Pastor, we hate this music. <laughs> but we came because we were afraid you would fail. And no one would come. And we didn't want you to fail. We love you. We won't be back because we hate this music. <laughs> and it looks like there's lots of other people here. So, you know, you don't need us. So we'll just come at 11. And, and it was... That is the spirit in this church that God has blessed from the very beginning. Yeah. It's not, we're, we're not changing our community because we have contemporary music. Are you kidding me? If it was that easy, man, the whole world would be reached for Christ. It's putting people first. We sometimes have individuals come to our church and, and from other places, and they've heard, oh, Bridgewater has done some things, and this is intriguing, and they come, and one of the responses we get sometimes is, yeah, it's really cool, but your buildings are kind of rough, <laughs> especially if they go to the church offices. <laughs> you know, there's sheetrock falling down, and, you know, it's just not real pretty, or they'll look at this building, and I had this comment a lot, it looks like a warehouse. And, and the reason that is, now it's beautiful on the inside. Actually, we keep the lights low too, so that helps. <laughs> um, we want to invest in people because Jesus came and died for people. He didn't die for buildings. He didn't die for sacred spaces. He didn't die for programs. He died for people. And God loves people. And we want to be a church that loves people and invests in people. And right now we are... We are um, looking to buy property and a building in Tunkhannock, and, and actually we've not made an offer on it. We're voting this morning to uh, borrow up to $850,000 to do that. Lord willing, we won't have to, um, we might not even have to borrow any of it. Um, we have some money saved. We're going to like encourage you to give toward this. Tunkhannock is outgrowing their building, and so we're going to buy property in a building, and it might be the one on the sheet, or depending on negotiations, it might not be that one, but... But we're going to vote on that this morning because, yeah, buildings are important because we're in northeast Pennsylvania. <laughs> and when winter comes, you know, there's only two seasons, construction and winter. 
And when winter comes, we'll, we'll need a build. People will need buildings, but it's all about people. And um, that's why we, we went out and Be the Church Sunday last, last Sunday. Tell you what, last Sunday was the second best Sunday of the year. I think it was better than Easter. Not as good as Christmas. <laughs> better than any other. It might have been the best Sunday of the year. Because I didn't preach. That's not why it was the best. But <laughs> we didn't sing songs. We just came together and went out immediately. And you know what? We had hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. All over in all sorts of different communities. Hundreds of people just in Montrose even. Serving people in projects. We had over two dozen projects just in Montrose. Online, we're writing letters to Montrose teachers. Thanking them for the last two years and how hard it's been. And a bunch of you stayed here. Just some of you put up sheetrock and talked to one man in the church and I said, do you, can you do sheetrock? And he's like, can I lie to my pastor? <laughs> he's like, yes, I can do sheetrock. I hate it. Like, oh, I got a job for you. <laughs> and uh, they were out till, I don't even know, four o'clock, five o'clock that day, just, just helping some people out. And um, you know what? Here, here's a guy. He, said, he asked me if he, he could skip, be the church Sunday. He says, could I skip and not come in and not get a donut and not get a t-shirt and go fix my neighbor's manure spreader? I said, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And so he went over and he said, I had an audience. The guy invited, like there's family members there. There's like seven or eight people to watch me fix the manure. Let me just say, the closest thing to Jesus washing his disciples' feet that had stuffed in manure <laughs> would be to fix your neighbor's manure spreader. But you know what? It's word and it's deeds. There are some churches that are good about deeds, but they don't ever get around to telling people about Jesus. And that's, that's a travesty. Because the world doesn't need good people. The world needs people who make Jesus their Lord. The world needs followers of Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. And then there are other churches, and then they talk a great game. But they never get around to actually loving other people and sacrificing and being courageous and putting their life maybe even on the line for others. We got a man in our church, Jake Boner, who's over in Ethiopia right now. Ethiopia's in the middle of a civil war. And they take precautions. Actually, he's in the United States now, but he'll go back. But they take precautions as he can because he's an American. He can be a target. But it doesn't matter. He wants to follow Jesus, even if that leads him to a country in a civil war. And you know what? We, we need it. So even the Blueberry Festival, yeah, Friday and Saturday, yesterday, we had tons of people. Here's the statistics from the Blueberry Festival. A lot of you were volunteering there and helping, and some of you baked. And we, we sold... And this was a fundraiser for the library. Last time we did it, we raised over $6,000 for the local, local library. But we scooped 1,320 pounds of ice cream. 400, if every pan weighed five pounds, I'm not sure if it might be more, but um, that's 480 pounds of blueberry buckle, sold 78 blueberry pies, 11 pounds of whipped cream, 47 pounds of blueberry sauce, several quarts of blueberries. It was literally over a ton of food that we sold, which means every single person in Montrose has gained an average of 1.3 pounds <laughs> this weekend. And I know some of you did your part. You know, um, why, why did we do that? Because we want this community, we want to love what this community loves because we love the people of, of Montrose, right? And we love them in Jesus' name. And so we wear those orange shirts to remind people, man, this is what, this is what Jesus is, wants us to do. 
to love people and to tell them about Jesus because almost every problem in the world is not solved by education. It's not solved by electing someone politically. It's not solved by throwing money at it. Almost every problem in the world, the only solution is for people to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ and, and follow him. And um, I want to give a special shout out to I don't even know if they're here. They might be in the second service. Shelly DePew and Tina Aston, they helped organize that whole Blueberry Festival thing. And they, they gave... Shelly is slinking down in her seat. I can see. They just spent so much time putting that together and, and organizing it and, and worrying. I didn't worry. They worried plenty. <laughs> you know, they're like... We, we can't, you know, we didn't have church last week to remind people, so, you know, we were really worried that people wouldn't show up, but it just went really well. You know what, here's another thing, too, that happened. They got back on Monday. A group went to Guatemala. Is that upside down? There we go. And uh, they actually weave these in Chapun and Kambalam. They make them on these old looms by hand, and they made this little banner for us, and I don't speak Spanish. So it says, the village of Chapun thanks the Bridgewater Church for construction of the classrooms. So they went over there and uh, helped, helped out this little village. Many of you sponsor a child in Chapun or Kambalam, Guatemala. It is uh, Native American villages. Uh, they have Aztec descent. They speak the language of Ishil, and uh, some of them also speak Spanish. And so they're learning Spanish in school so that they can really be more productive in their country. And it's one of the highest rates of malnutrition in uh, North or South America is in these little villages. And malnutrition doesn't just stunt your growth, it stunts your brain. And so if you're, you're a child who's malnourished, you grow up to be a brain-damaged adult. And so they're tackling that poverty, but they're doing it in Jesus' name. One of the things that this group did that went, a dozen, dozen people from our church, uh, a bunch of them came back with E. coli. Um, I, was, I was told to tell you that to not, don't let that scare you away from going next year. Um, but you know what? They... They went, and thankfully, they all, all didn't get sick at the same time, so they were able to do a VBS with the kids, and, and they were able to, to meet with the pastors in Kambalam, and then they met with the pastors in Shipun, and they said, here are these audio Bibles that we brought. They're solar-powered, and you can listen for the first time to the Bible in your own language. And uh, Bob Owens was there. He was crying like a little girl. <laughs> Not like a little girl, like a man of God crying like a man of God. Here's the thing about manly crying. You don't cry over pain, okay? Manly crying. Now, if it hits you in the eye and your eye spontaneously waters, that's okay. But men don't cry over pain, but real men do cry for joy, and they cry over the suffering of others, okay? Not over your personal pain, just a little man tip there for all of you. So, so Bob Owens, he's there, and one of the pastors says, he says, the first time, this is the first time in our village's history that all nine pastors in this village have gotten together in the same room. It's Catholic and Protestant and charismatic, and, and he says, and what, what, what has brought us together in this room? God's word in our tongue and in our language that we could share with them. They gave some to some of these women's groups that, that meet in the village and help organize things. And because the women, more than the men, don't speak Spanish and are illiterate. And so some of these women having the Bible in their own language. And that's what's going to change the world, is Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's why we're here. 
Um, where's my clicker? There we go. I got to say, don't go to church. There's Chapune, the village. Here's some of the pastors that they met with. Um, Bob is not that tall. <laughs> this makes Karen look tall. They're watching online right now because they're not feeling well. But here's Sunday morning attendance. 2003, our church hit bottom. They fired the pastor by 66% vote. People were confused. People were discouraged. People were hurting. And um, fast forward 10 years to 2013, and we'd started Halstead. And Halstead had started Conklin. And then we sent people away to start Vestal as well. And then now we have six campuses, including online and Tunkhannock and and 1,600 people meeting on a typical Sunday. And, and what is God going to do in the next decade? Here's one of the things we want him to do, is we want to start more campuses. <laughs> Amen, yeah. And, and, and here's what holds us back from starting more campuses. People. Pastors. Maybe God is calling you to be a pastor, and you're eight. Okay. Maybe God is calling you to be a pastor and you're 58. And then the other thing is, is, is more workers. Like pray that for the Lord of the harvest that he would provide more workers in his work field. There's a, a man, I was talking to his dad, uh, this guy's dad, and the teenager wants to play the drums. And he says, but I don't want to push out Ethan Powers from the drums. I told the dad two things. Number one, Ethan's good. You're not that good. No, I, I, I didn't say it like that. No, I said, you know, we always need more people for things. And so if you are already serving in a ministry, you need to realize your job is to recruit other people to do what you're doing. Because if we go and start another church, maybe at Elk Lake or maybe over in the Kingsley area, if we start another church, we're going to take the children's workers here and we're going to send some of them away. And then we're going to need more children's workers. So you better get your replacement now. You know, and if you're a greeter out there, if you're out the, at the soundboard and you're here, you know, 7 a.m. this morning and you're here till afternoon, like, like you, you need to recruit people if you're serving God. And if you're not serving God yet, I'm just telling you, you need to jump on board and just, maybe it's in a small group and maybe it's just inviting people to come or whatever, but this is what will change the world. This is what the world needs. This is the most exciting adventure on earth to serve God together with other people and change our community and change this world. So there is a next step table in the back. And uh, before you go, you can stop by there. There's like a little half sheet of paper that you can fit out, fill out. I got one somewhere. And um, you can, can mark down areas maybe you're interested in. Maybe you want to do something different. Man, invent, invent your own ministry. We don't, we don't care. Here, here's another thing too. Is some people have asked like, when is Bridgewater done? Like, when are you going to be like, I mean, six campuses, that's enough, you know, what, what, what is, what is the, the ultimate end line? I mean, one of our pastors, Matt Pusser, he said it this way, well, he says, we'll be done when heaven is full and hell is empty. That's when we'll be done. And it's not about the Bridgewater name. Next Sunday, I'm going to go preach down at Pablo um, Gutierrez's church, Iglesia Electric City. I will not be speaking in Spanish. It will be translated, though. They're baptizing five people today in their church. Last, last year, I was down there for a baptism service. They baptized seven others last year. They started an Easter, uh, a Palm Sunday of 2021, just about the worst time to start a church. Okay, They took about 25 people from here. 
went down to Scranton, and now they have over 50 people from over a dozen different countries. And the services are in Spanish. A, a church came along and said, we see what God is doing. We're going to give you our building. And so now they have a building. It needs a roof fixed, $25,000 to fix the roof. They've raised $9,000 of that already. If anybody wants to drop a $16,000 check, they, seriously, I know there's people here who could do it. They, they would love it. And it would, it would just, you know, people are getting saved. You know what Pablo has said to me? He says, we want to be Bridgewater. By that, he's, he's not going to call it Bridgewater. That would be crazy. They're in Scranton. This is Bridgewater Township. That's why we call Bridgewater, you know? Like, they're not going to, but he says, I want to have a church that sends people out to start other churches. And that doesn't say, come here, come here, come here, but follows what that command was that, that Josh, Josh, Pastor Josh read earlier, go. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. I want you to go. And we need to go. And God blesses when we go. And there's nothing more exciting to be a part of than going on this mission God has laid out for us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you um, for everyone who's gathered here. I thank you for what you have done at Bridgewater Church. God, I thank you for what you're doing right now. Lord, I just thank you for so many people that have sacrificed so much. They've given up so many things. And Lord, I just pray that you would just, that this would not be the middle, that this would not be the end, that this would just be the beginning. Lord, I just pray for a movement of God that just gets totally out of control and out of hand, that we have no idea the impact that goes from this place and that the name of Bridgewater is forgotten, but that the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted up and remembered forever and ever. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.